Hey, this is Kat Kahn from Knoxville, Tennessee. And Tanya Rice from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are grateful you've joined us. And we cannot wait to share with you the musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learn, laugh, and enjoy. And we hope you will share with us any of your comments or questions. Without further ado, this is Two Pittas on a Pod. Well, hello, Kat. (laughs) Hi, Tanya. (laughs) What's up, Kat? Oh, not much. Not much. I'm kind of excited about our topic today because, you know, you and I both teach about the eight limbs. And every time we talk about it together, I'm always frantically writing down notes because you always share so much really good stuff with me. (laughs) And it's kind of fresh in my brain because I've just kind of done intros in both my 200 hour and a re-re-intro to my 300 hour yoga Mm -hmm. teacher trainers. So I've been teaching the eight limbs for the last 10 days. So it's all good stuff right now. (laughs) It's really fresh in my brain. But I think the biggest point to it is, is people are like, well, what's the eight limbs? Like, Mm -hmm. what does that even have to do? And, you know, like, where does it come from? Because you and I are like, well, we're yoga studio owners, and we're yoga teacher trainers, and we love to teach yoga classes. And people are like, well, where did the eight limbs even fit into that? Right. And so one of the things that I like to teach out the gate is you and I both own yoga studios that are based in the eight limbs as in what the old sacred texts would call a royal path of yoga as a philosophy, right? And it isn't just bending your body around on the mat, which most people, when you say, oh yeah, I own a yoga studio, that's their thought is, is, oh, well, you must have a perfect body. You must be super flexible. You must wear the right clothes and you must do yoga like 72 hours, you know, a day, right? (laughs) Because that's, that's what their impression is of yoga right? Mm -hmm. But what they don't realize is that the moving postures on the mat is only one eighth of the picture. And so when we refer to the eight limbs, that component of postures is only one of those eight limbs. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you and I wanted to talk about it because we, you and I probably approach people daily where people are like, well, I didn't know there was more to it. Or Mm -hmm. you guys always talk about meditation. You guys always talk about journaling. Like you guys always talk about what are these yamas and niyamas? Like, right? They're all parts of that eight limbs. Yoga is way more than just moving your body around on a mat. Absolutely. You know, and that people think of when Lauren and I first opened the studio here back in 2014 um, together we joined the Chamber of Commerce. And it was so funny how many other business people said, oh my gosh, that must be wonderful. All you do is just sit around and do yoga all day. And we just laughed and we're like, wouldn't that be nice? You know, but you know, people don't realize that, you know, you're still a business owner. (laughs) You, you still have every single headache that every other business owner have has. But I would say that maybe we get a lot more of the kudos at the end of the day though, because we do, I do feel like we change lives. We do change lives. Mm -hmm. We don't, not necessarily us as teachers have that power, but we present them with the beautiful tools that help them change their own lives, right? Right. And there's there's so much to be said for that because we get the joy of watching Mm -hmm. light bulbs go off in people all of the time. Mm -hmm. And we get to hear how it's changing their lives or impacting Mm -hmm. their lives. I love to see someone totally transform, just go from 
um, if you think back about some of the people in your classes that started with you 10 years ago and where they are now, it's just incredible. Oh yeah. Entirely. Yeah. And it is, it is lovely. Well, I mean, we can see it in our own lives Mm -hmm. and that, I mean, that's the, that's a big deal. We can see it in the people that we love and the people that we love can see it in us. Yeah. So can you tell us where the eight limbs came from? Dude, way back to the Vedas and the sutras. <laughs> like, I mean, it comes out mm-hmm. of old, old texts and you know how I love my sacred texts, right? Mm-hmm. So the sutras kind of breaks down the eight limbs and talks about that royal path, what they term the Raja path, R-A-J-A the royal path in yoga. And you and I have talked at great length about the first two paths being the yamas and the niyamas. But I think it would be important to sort of resurface that because if a person were to look at the eight limbs on a tree, what they kind of don't necessarily realize is that we could literally put the four limbs on the roots at the bottom and then the other four limbs on the the branches branches at the top. So if you were to think about about like that sort of infinity looking tree where it's like the tree of life where the branches in the air are as big as the roots underground, right? Almost like a core of an apple, right? Mm-hmm. That we could take the first four limbs and place them on the bottom on those roots and we could place the other four on the branches because they're the manifestation. They're the fruit that comes mm-hmm. out of the grounding of the first four. And so it's kind of fantastic when you look at it that way because you're like, oh yeah, if I do the work of the yamas and the niyamas and I also do the work of the asana, which is our postures and the pranayama, which is our breathing, then the other four that are on the top, the branches branches is the beauty of our meditation, our dhyana, our dhyana, our samadhi, our pratyahara. It's all that beautiful manifestation. It's the mind. It's that beautiful oneness. It's, yeah, it's all of the glory that comes out of all of the grounding of the first four. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the way you said that. That's beautiful. Yeah. So if we are going to refer to all of the eight limbs for those people who are listening, who are like, well, I've kind of heard about it, don't really know about it. The two first two limbs are the yamas and the niyamas. And these are our like our to-do list and our not-to-do list is kind of how we put it. It's the equivalent to the Ten Commandments, but it's broken down into five to-dos and five not-to-dos, right? And those yamas and niyamas, if you want to know about them, jump back and listen to our Yama and Niyama podcast. We do a breakdown of them. We spend a lot of time going through Deborah Adele's book that speaks to the, it's called the Yamas and Niyamas, and it's a fantastic read. It's a quick read, but there's so much information in there, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other number three would be asana and number four would be pranayama. And asana would be the postures that we do, the we'll say quote unquote bending like a pretzel on a mat. And the pranayama that we do is our breath control, that work that we do that's breathing. I was going to mention within each pose, like in our asana, some daily practices for asana because asana does help us maintain our physical health and our vitality but along the lines of doing asana we learn so many things about ourselves within ourselves so something that you can do is commit every day to doing some 
type of an asana, even if you do one sun salutation, but committing and making that a habit in your life because the poses teach us what to do, what feels right, what not to do. And a lot of times I find that the things that I don't want to do are the things that I need. If I will just sit with them and work through them, it I do open up and I find a release in either a muscle or a mental release. So I think that's very important to do to try to practice that and focus on what you're feeling in each pose. So if you put four or five poses together, really set with them and see how you feel, see how you physically feel, see how you emotionally feel, see how um, each pose affects you. And then you can either push a little harder into the pose or ease off a little bit and listen to your body and play to that edge and see yeah. where you and trust in your feelings when you're doing asana. Yep. Another piece of that asana awareness is also knowing in your own body, like, am I stressed out today? So would it serve me a better purpose to be doing a yin style of posture or a restorative style of posture? Or am I kind of stuck someplace and I really need to do some fiery sort of postures? I really need to work through vinyasas or I really need to work through like a hot yoga class or, you know, figuring out also what's going to help to drive the outcome that you need. Like, yeah, it's all about self-discovery when it comes to asana. Like we get into those poses and, you know, good instructors will tell us to get there and then try and find our breath. And we're like, what do you mean? I'm breathing. And we're like, no, no, no. We mean like literally find your breath and how is it moving within your body right now? Like, is it getting stuck in that hip because you're, you know, tensing the muscles so much? Are you allowing yourself to breathe? Are you, are are you balancing between the strength of your posture and the ease of your posture? Or are you getting in the pose and struggling to be in it because you want it to look so perfect? right? So there's right. so many components also to being in that asana and really providing yourself a place of, of willingness to be there, but also the ease of understanding that once you're there, you can really truly find a peaceful, contented mm -hmm. place. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very easy to create your own at home practice that you can work through on your own. That's something that it's not definitely not a challenge and it, it can be the exact same thing all the time. You know, just coming back down to it is, you know, really the importance is, is finding some movement on the mat and always knowing that whatever that movement is, is acceptable for you on that given day. But to Kat's point, consistency is key. So making sure to get on the mat every day. Mm -hmm. Right. And sometimes that's hard. And I think that when we started, uh, Richard and I took your daily sadhana online class last winter. And I just loved that. And I ended up doing another minute. I ended up writing a, it's completely different from yours, but a manifestation and daily sadhana class for my studio, um, because you gave me that inspiration. But I know that during that time when we committed to doing six weeks, doing a daily practice, I did a yoga practice on the side of my bed every single morning when I woke up. I still do, but I don't, I'm not as consistent, right? now. But I have to say for those six weeks, I never missed a day. And sometimes it was a 30, you know, 30 minute practice. Sometimes it was 
three minute practice. So you can modify things and work things that will fit into your life at different times in your life too. But oh I yeah, say, for sure. Yeah. You, know, you and I very seldom have a day that goes by that we haven't moved. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And then if we move into the fourth of the limbs, the pranayama aspect, now we're talking about literally translated prana being life force and iyama being the breath control or control of that life force. Mm -hmm. We all know that we could spend zero time paying any attention to our breath and we know that the body would do it for us for as long as we're living anyways, right? But what we sometimes fail to realize is that, you know, if if we really work on expanding that breath, we can also improve our life. We can improve our life balance like we were just talking in our last episode. We can really improve our digestion, our metabolism. We can improve our yoga poses. We can de-stress. Like there's so many benefits to our pranayama and our breath control Mm -hmm. that, you know, it really is as important as asana. And people are like, well, why isn't it first then? Like, wouldn't it be more important to get control of your breath than to do the postures? But what the sutras tells us is that the postures actually are what make us ready for pranayama. Mm -hmm. It's not the reverse. It's, you know, in our American minds, we're like, well, you need to breathe first or you're never going to be able to do that. And it's not actually true that what they're saying is the more that you do asana, the more that your body is prepared to open up to that very lovely pranayama or breath control. Well, and you mentioned some of the benefits of pranayama, uh, but I did want to also mention the improved concentration. And so once you've mastered the asana, going back and really focusing on your breath work through the asanas, I think most of us do them kind of together, but you know, but in the eight limbs, it is listed in that way, but you definitely improve your concentration, your overall health improves because most of us, especially Americans, we breathe with the top third of our lungs. We never really fully breathe. We run around in a hyperventilating state almost all the time, but slowing down and using some pranayama techniques can improve your health, your focus, your clarity, even your creativity. So for all of my little writer buddies and painter buddies out there, if you want to be more creative, breathe. Breathe. Um. (laughs) Yeah. So in, in the sutras, it tells us like, if we get up in the morning and we do our asana, like Kat was talking about beside the bed, and then we plop down on a pillow and we spend five minutes of controlled breathing, then moving into meditation will be so much easier. So this is why when I'm teaching meditation, I'm actually teaching pranayama and meditation because I always teach breathing exercises before meditation. Because most of the time people sit down and they're like, okay, breathe in, breathe out, let's meditate. It doesn't doesn't usually happen like that. Like, right? Like there's so many things that are happening in your body. There's so many things that are happening in your mind. Like it takes a minute. So if we do five minutes of pranayama, we really prepare the body for a little bit of quieting down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I have talked at length with our 300-hour program, there's, you know, 12 to 20 pranayama exercises that you can do. You can combine them and make it probably, I don't know, 144, you know, pranayamas that you could do depending on how many counts you do or whether you block a nostril or not or whether you incorporate ujjayi or not. You know, there's so many combinations to those pranayamas, but using pranayama to slow down, to decrease the heart rate, to decrease the blood pressure, to prepare the body for quieting before meditation makes all the difference, all the difference. 
So it's if you had to segue. pick one pranayama that you would suggest people to start with. Before meditation, absolutely. What we would call visamavriti mm -hmm. in the meaning unequal breath. I would say a three to four count inhale and a six to eight count exhale. You would double the length of your exhale. And what this does is it really just slows the body down. Mm -hmm. It slows everything down. So it already is like pre-meditative, right? Mm -hmm. It just takes you to a very calm place. It shuts off all those neurons that are firing in the brain and just takes everything to a place of ease. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. So when it comes to the eight limbs, remembering that we're talking about for this part, one of our podcast of the eight limbs is the four roots for lower limbs, which would be the yamas, the niyamas, the asana and the pranayama. And on our part two of the eight limbs, we'll be talking about the meditation piece, the pratyahara, the dhyana, the dhyana and the samadhi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a super amazing conglomeration of pieces that really does make up the whole of yoga, which is really what Kat and I gravitate to. As much as we love the asana piece, both you and I love all of the other limbs as much. We, yeah, we like getting down deep. We do. <laughs> we really do love that. Yeah, and it does make so much when you first start studying a lot of the eight limbs, I think a lot of times we're you start, I know me as a young, very young practitioner, I was, it didn't make a lot of sense, but as you grow in your practice, it really, it just falls in place and you're like, there's no way, no other way it could go but this. So. Yeah. And there's no other way to do it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it does start to line your life up. Like you do feel much more rooted in your life, much more balanced. Your tree is much more balanced. Right. And you know, we we're coming hot off of our last recording, but when we talk about being being really firmly rooted and really firmly grounded, it's easier for us to blossom and to manifest and to have abundance in the things that we want because we are so firmly rooted. It's like yeah. watching your own life line up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Perfect. I'm Kat Kahn. And I'm Tanya Rice. And this is Two Pittas on a Pod signing off. Thank you for listening to Two Pittas on a Pod. We're grateful you joined us. Join us again for more musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learned, laughed, and enjoyed this podcast. And we hope you will share your comments or questions. Email us at twopittasonapod at gmail.com. And like us on Facebook and Instagram at twopittasonapod.